Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. I just want to say a big shout out to my friend Annabelle back there running the screens for the first time in her life. She's killing it back there. She had a 30 second lesson before. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Not a overwhelmingly clever title, but call this one, Where Is Your Treasure? Look at that. She's on fire back there. Perfect timing. Let's pray once more um, before we go any further. God, speak to us through his word tonight. Challenge us and change us. Jesus, hallelujah. We thank you for your presence that's here. God, we thank you for your word. And I pray, God, as we get into that today, Jesus, that you would you would speak to us. God, I pray you would challenge us. God, I Call us the closer to you in Jesus' name, God. Do a work in our lives, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can, I guess you can sit if you so desire. <laughs> um, so this, this passage that we read, most of you know this, but it's, um, it's from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is first teaching his disciples. And he's basically, if you read it, he's, he's challenging everything that they've ever really known and, and um, calling them to do things differently from what the Pharisees have taught and the way they've um, taken things and radically different. And he's taught them, you know, the Beatitudes, uh, one of those words that we come up with to describe something. That's not the word, I don't think the word's in there, but um, Beatitudes, he talks about being salt and light, he He's talked about anger and lust and divorce and, you know, making oaths. He's talked about retaliation, about loving your enemies, all these things that, um, you know, weren't popular. Talked about giving to those in need. He's taught about prayer and fasting, and now he gets to this treasure bit. So he's, taught, he's teaching about a whole bunch of stuff, trying to set the, the groundwork for what's going to happen. And, and um, I... Thinking about treasure, I decided to do a little research, and by research I mean use Google for a minute or two, and uh, I came across an article from um, a university magazine called University Communications, but uh, about why why we collect things, and I'm not I'm not trying to single anyone out here in particular, but um, we do, and. Uh, Anyway, it says that it's one of our basic human instincts. We like to collect things. Uh, baseball, caps, coins, stones, posters, movies, seashells, toys, art, manuscripts, stamps, coffee mugs, uh, are among the many collectible things. You go to any uh, gift shop and they got the same things, just different stuff on them because that's what people collect, right? Um, my 
aunt collects t-shirts from everywhere she goes. Like we used to get pins uh, as kids because they were smaller and we had all these hats covered in, in pins and I have them somewhere, but should have brought them. But um, people have been, they said people have been collecting things for thousands of years and they said the reason for collecting, uh, the reasons are numerous. Some do it for pleasure, uh, others do it to learn more about the objects. Some seek status or prestige if you have some rare things. Many do it um, to show their loyalty to a thing, to a team, um, a country, or a hometown, or something like that. Some get uh, attached to a specific genre, or, and they form a habit. Um, one of the editors for this magazine, her name is Carol Reynolds Srot, and she has not met, she says, a Snoopy she has not liked. Her interest, they say, in the happy-go-lucky beagle from Peanuts goes back to college. Her collection is now in the hundreds, and um, Snoopy, you know, stuff everywhere. And she just, just said, looking at it, just cheered her up. I, I know a guy that collects peanut stuff too. And um, but in addition to the feeling, the pleasant feeling people get from collectibles, many um, gather items because they represent something that they value or serve as a way to connect with others. This is what this article said. One of our kids loves Hello Kitty. I don't know if you're familiar with this big-headed freak. Um, <laughs> they didn't know it was you until you made a face. One of our children, she loves Hello Kitty. She has several of them. She said um, 11 or 10. She doesn't know. She doesn't remember. But um, when we flew to Benin, when we were going on AIM, we had to, we got each of them a present at the airport. Um, the Air Force we went to, we got Lucy, she was a small, so we got her a doll in the Montreal airport. You're not gonna like this, but it has a Montreal Canadiens <laughs> outfit on her. And we named her Carrie Price, because it's funny. And so we got that for her. Annabelle got a game. Guess who, but it was in French, so it's kiosque. Very rare. And, and Julia, well, soup, I gave it away. Julia got a Paris Hello Kitty. So she's got a little, just like this, but she's got an outfit that says, I love Paris on the Eiffel Tower. It costs way more than it should have. But when I, and I went to Ghana a few years ago, um, one of our connecting flights was in London, and they had some London Hello Kitty. So I got her one that has the, the British Guard outfit on. And just, that's what she likes. And, and um, she's got, this one's an Easter one. Got a little egg with a chick. Uh, she's got Christmas, I don't know, birthday, regular old ones. One that's dressed as a nurse that says, I love Japan, I don't know. All kinds of stuff. Um, for me, I don't know if you'd say I collect them, but I've got this Game Boy <laughs> that my father gave me uh, when I was 10, um, I think, uh, for Christmas. And I've sort of collected several other Game Boys and Nintendo systems that I've sort of collected over the years. I just don't want to get rid of them. Um, for a while, I started, is showing you all my private things, I started collecting old books. This one, I didn't get Anne of Green Gables. This is Anne of Avonlea, which is the second one. Anne of Green Gables, they want way too much money for. But this is the second one. This book is at least 90 years old. 1931, I think this one was made. There's an inscription to someone from 1932. So that's 
pretty cool to me. But I started collecting, I find old books. I got like Treasure Island. I don't know, it's pretty old. But I just started doing that and um, yeah. I know people that collect, you know, uh, expensive pens. There's a preacher I know. I know of, I don't know him personally, but he collects artifacts from Bible times, which is really interesting and neat. But people, people, we like to collect all sorts of different things. I haven't bought an old book in a while, but um, we, we like to collect all sorts of different things. Some people collect vinyl records. Um, when we were youth pastors, there was a girl that bragged about how many shoes she had. I think like 75% were flip-flops, so they don't count. But she, she, she liked shoes, and some people collect creepy-looking dolls. Uh, my mother used to collect uh, music boxes and anything Norman Rockwell, which is pretty, you know, not intensely popular. My aunt used to collect, I don't know if you remember, they made these crystal ornaments. I cannot say the name of the company, Sportsky or something. They made uh, all these different things, and she used to collect those. As kids, we had marbles. Um, you guys wouldn't probably know, but there was things called pogs that we had. We collected baseball cards. Um, Beanie Babies were all the rage because they were going to be worth money, and turned out they weren't. And people collect all kinds of stuff, stuff from their favorite hockey team. People got entire basements dedicated to this team or that team. And we collect things sometimes because they remind us of a specific time in our lives um, when we were young and carefree, um, maybe happy. Um, so like the Game Boys, it reminds me of when I was a kid, you know, no cares in the world. And so sometimes I'll fire up the old Tetris and whatever. And um, when we do that, you know, people will buy an old car, maybe the first model they ever had, the one you sold for 50 bucks to somebody, you know, and you try to get that other, you know, find one, you try to restore it or whatever. I've been looking for a 1997 Dodge Neon, but most of them are dead now because they weren't the best car. It was like driving a go-kart and I loved it. But, you know, we, we people do this and, and, and by doing so, by having all these, these objects that we gather and we collect, I think that um, that sense uh, and this belief is under there that if I have this thing, it'll bring me some happiness. And it may, but that happiness doesn't last. And like it or not, by investing in these things, we are often looking to them to bring us some sort of peace or happiness. And to others, they may not seem like treasures. I mean, I don't think any of you are going to fight Julia over Hello Kitty um, or try to take my Game Boy, but but to us, they are. And, you know, we've collected and gathered them together, and to us, they are, are precious. So in this passage that we read, um, in this, this entire Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is warning the disciples and the people there that, uh, that about things that will entrap and, and ensnare us and things that will distract us and if we, uh, if we aren't careful. So in Jesus' day, they didn't have Game Boys or old Volkswagens or baseball cards or uh, Hello Kitty. But, so instead, people would often collect expensive clothing. Um, they would save up for things like, let's say, an alabaster box 
filled with precious ointment or expensive perfume. They would they would gather gold and and silver and gems and and wine. Um, they would get you know buy tracts of land and, and um, oil, olive oil and stuff like that. And and um, that's what they would gather. And in Genesis 45, Joseph gave his brothers some changes of clothes as a present. Clothes were the big thing. He gave them some clothes. His father had given him a specific coat that caused all the problems in the first place, if you remember. And in Joshua 7, Achan really wanted, among other things, this fancy Babylonian garment. And we know what happened to him. And so they would have these clothes that were expensive. They were woven with gold threads, and they would store them in their houses. And in those days... A lot of the houses were just basically made out of baked clay, dried clay. There wasn't, um, they didn't have rebar in them to enforce them. They, you know, you could, they're just made out of clay. So uh, Jesus says in, in Matthew 6 and 19, Lay up not for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt them, where thieves break through and steal. So what thieves would often do and seeing that these houses were just made out of clay, they would simply just dig a hole in the wall and they would break in that way. And so these people, they, they would store something somewhere, maybe they have a back room or something, and they would just store the stuff in there, and, you know, thinking all the while it was there, and then one day they would go in and check, and it was gone. Either the moths had eaten the clothes, or the rust had ruined the gold or silver or bronze or whatever they had, or someone had broken in. So the problem, or one of the problems with us laying up treasures on earth is you know, we rely on them for happiness and for peace of mind. And I haven't referenced Anne in a week, except for earlier, but in, in the first, in the book, I know, if you hate it, then I'm sorry, but um, if you're familiar with the story, Matthew Cuthbert um, he dies. I don't know. I don't want to plot, ruin them, ruin it for you. But he he dies in the book of a, a shock induced by a heart attack when he looks at his bank statement and finds out that all the money they have put in the bank has is gone because the bank has failed and has gone under. So poor old Matthew. He has put all his hope and treasure into that bank and it failed him. And that's he has a heart attack because he's so shocked. And and when we rely on stuff for happiness or reliance stuff for a peace of mind it tends to come crashing down imagine if you're in the bible days you go to check in your little treasure room your little garage or whatever made out of clay you go in you open the door and you see a light coming out of the corner where someone's dug a hole and you look around and you slowly realize that everything is gone that would be pretty pretty heartbreaking if you go into your garage and that car you were working on is gone, you'd be pretty upset. If you go out, you know, you look for something and it's gone, it's heartbreaking. I know one of our kids would be pretty upset if she went to a room and every Hello Kitty was wiped out. Um, when we, so we cannot rely on treasures to bring us peace and happiness because they can be destroyed. There could be a house fire. We might lose everything. We might... We have to move across the world and we can't take all of our collections uh, or everything with us. We could be in a place like, like Ukraine where they just have to grab a bag of stuff and go. You don't know what's going to happen. We, we might have a flood in, in our basement or a pipe burst and everything gets ruined. All those baseball cards and hockey cards that are worth 
all that money just destroy my, my water, or a thief may break in and steal stuff, or, you know, you could get a dog and she destroys everything. You know, you don't know what's going to happen, and um, we can't rely on stuff and things for peace, joy, and happiness. So that's one of the reasons. The second is, you can't take it with you. And not to be, you know, depressing or bleak, but when we die, our treasures stay here. In Luke's version of Jesus teaching about this, he also gives a parable and says in Luke 12, 16 to 21, he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Sounds like a good plan. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, and then whose shall these things be which thou hast provided? So, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So God says that it's foolish for us to store up treasures for ourselves because we don't know when it's going to end. We don't know what's going to happen and we can't take, take it with us. And there's nothing wrong with leaving things for your kids or providing for your family, but like everything in the New Testament, it all comes down to a matter of our hearts. And if we're looking to stuff for comfort or joy or peace instead of Jesus, it's going to come crashing down around us. And to be honest, um, all our stuff is not really going to amount to a hill of beans and the grand scheme of things. When we, when we die is my collection of Game Boys. I don't have that many. I'm not going to have a lot. Maybe like four. But is it really going to do anything to change the world? My kids may play them. You know, if they still work then. And remember me or pass them on but you know is all this stuff that we've gathered and relied on for happiness and peace of mind really going to do anything when we're gone maybe our families you know they can sell them and have you know a few extra dollars but in the long run and the view of eternity does it really does it really do anything when we hear verses like this talking about treasures and we can tend to immediately go and think about you know people that have actual treasures the rich, the rich folk, those guys. But Jesus, he's teaching to the disciples here. And most of them are very young. They come from working backgrounds. A lot of them are fishermen. You know, not like lobster fishermen. Now they got some, some money. But these, this is back in the day. <laughs> you know, they, this is not, you know, they're not a rich group that he's talking to. And, it's not just rich people who store treasures. Anything can be a treasure if we see it that way. And one of the things that... Um, there's two, th two things I've mentioned way too much. One of them's Anne, and the other is Africa. And so, doing both. So one of the things that really blew my mind when we were there was how happy people were with how little they had. And according to USA Today, Benin is the 25th poorest country in the world. About half of the population live on less than $1.90 a day, and three quarters live on three twenty or less a day. But everywhere we went, people were just super happy, super excited about life. And I think a lot of that has to do with their faith in God. They may not know the whole truth, 
but they believe in God. And in our ever-increasing godless society, peace and joy and happiness seem to be declining at a pretty rapid rate. Nobody's even happy with the body there. Anyways, it's just, it's crazy. And so, you know, we're sold, thing, we're sold things based on fear. Fear of missing out. We can't be happy without the new thing. And when we were in, the, in, in Africa, whatever years ago it was now, almost six years ago, um, I wrote this. Um, I wrote in North America. People are frowning and people are complaining about, because I worked at McDonald's, people are complaining about pickles on a burger or they're telling you off even, you know, if you, if you have the right away and no one's happy with their house or their car, we're always looking for a bigger one or, or a faster one and people aren't happy uh, with their spouses. Sometimes they go looking for a new one of those too and, uh, you know, we aren't happy with our bodies, we aren't happy with our hair, we hate our jobs. But here, as I was saying, in, in Benin, everyone... Everywhere we went, people are smiling and waving, and sure, that kid that you see is only in his underwear, and who knows how long he's been wearing them, but he's just loving his, his life, and, and so what if their car is a piece of junk? You think your car is bad? Most of the cars I wouldn't even be allowed to drive here. Failed inspection years ago. When our cars are wrecked, like they can't fix them, they send them to these other countries, and then they drive them. And they're stuck in like first gear, and that's as fast as they go, but it's going. And like, who cares? And they've got one, and maybe they only live in one a one room house. Who cares? They've got their wife and three kids, and they're loving life. And maybe you know, maybe this job they have isn't great. It's you know, pulling nets in from the ocean, fishing is hard. But who cares? They're going to sing together, and they work as one. And maybe this week was hard. Maybe they didn't make money selling oranges on the street. But now I'm in church. I love Jesus. I'm excited that we have a missionary. Visiting, so I'm going to bring him a basket full of oranges. This happened. I said they're positive. Maybe they don't have as much as us in North America, but they, they're, they're happy. And there's a big difference, you know, when our treasures are based on what we have, our happiness is based on what we have, versus you know, putting treasures in, in heaven. So instead of doing this. I'm not saying, you know, get rid of everything you've collected. I'm not saying that. But if that's where we're putting our hope and our treasure in that, and looking for the next thing and, and storing up treasures on earth, Jesus says in verse 20 in Matthew 6, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt with thieves. Do not break through or steal. So instead of storing up stuff here on earth, Jesus says we need to store things in heaven where our treasures will last forever. No one's breaking into heaven and stealing. No moths destroy things in heaven. No rust corrupts in heaven. So what treasures do we store in heaven? I, I, know, I know how to get earthly treasures, but what are heavenly treasures or heavenly riches? Timothy, our first Timothy 6, 18 and 19 says, They that do good, they that be rich in good works, ready to distribute, ready to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So one of the treasures, one of the riches we can store up in heaven is good works. We can be kind to others. We can take care of others. We can share with others, you know, all the things that we tell our children to do, but then when we become adults, we don't have to do it anymore. Share, be nice to each other, take care of each other. And then all of a sudden, we don't have to do it. Anyways, 
But by doing good works or by doing good deeds, or, you know, we are rich in good works, the Bible says, and we lay up and we store up. It sounds like treasures to me. And Paul says that this affects our eternal life. Sounds like a heaven or hell issue to me. So instead of getting all the stuff we can, we should be helping and assisting and, and giving to others. The early church, they sold everything they had. Um, Jesus himself, he said, I have no home, nowhere to lay my head. Well, I don't have a lot to give. I need to store up earthly treasures so I can store up heavenly treasures. Jesus said that if you just give a glass of water in my name, that matters. And so we don't have to do these big elaborate things and <laughs> record ourselves for Facebook, giving five bucks to somebody and share it or something, whatever. We don't need to do that, but just take care of each other, pray for each other, support each other, give and love. Um, Paul says, ready to distribute, ready to give whatever we can to help others to show the love of Jesus. He says, ready to, or willing to communicate. Now this one's harder, because some people need physical things, and some people just need someone to talk to. And you know, we can't just throw money at problems and make them go away. Sometimes we need to communicate and just listen. Spend time with them. Sometimes the best thing you can do for someone is spend time with them. Just listen. And so these are, according to Paul, these are, these are good works and these are riches that we have that we can store in heaven. And another thing, we can be rich in faith. In James 2 and 5, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? We may not have all the earthly treasures we want, but we can have faith. And there's a richness in faith. There's a wealth in knowing and trusting, sorry, there's a wealth in trusting in God that is beyond this world. And when we live our lives in faith and service and trusting God and letting God work through us, we are rich and we store these treasures up in heaven. Every time we step out in faith, every time we pray in faith, every time we move out in faith and we work in faith, we operate in faith, every time we let Jesus work through us, we are storing up treasures in heaven. Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none. I don't have these earthly treasures, but such as I have. I may not have the earthly treasures, but I've got something else. i got something greater. I have a heavenly treasure. I've got a faith. So he said, such as I have, I, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Peter and John, they didn't have the earthly treasures, but they had faith. And through that heavenly treasure of faith, a man's life was forever Changed And Jesus is saying that this is more important because a thief can take my stuff, but he cannot take my faith. Heavenly treasures and heavenly riches cannot be stolen. So instead of us trying to build our kingdom, we should be building his kingdom. And so the question for today is where is your treasure? Around the time of Jesus, there was a king and a queen, history tells us, named Monobaz was the king and Helena was the queen. And they ruled a small ter territory called Adiabene. It's a very obscure territory that not much is known of. They became a very wealthy place very quickly and then kind of just faded away. They went around for a, a long time, but the queen, her name was Helena and her two boys, Isades, I think, and Monobaz II, they converted to Judaism. 
And the king, Monobaz, we don't know if he did, but he was very supportive of the Jews around this time and was very sympathetic toward them. And when he died in um, 30 AD, his elder son, um, Isaiah, became the king. And this is around the time when Jesus is teaching these things. And we don't know if this story takes place before or after Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount, but if it was before, then this story um, would have been on the minds of the disciples and the people that Jesus was teaching. If it was after, it's probably a direct result of this teaching. But sometime after the first king, Monobaz, died, which was around 30 AD, his younger son, when he was a prince, Monobaz II, the story says he stood up one day and he gave all of his goods to the poor. And his relatives sent to him and they said, your father's you know, I've added to that which was theirs and to that which was their father's, but you've given away everything that was yours and, and what you know, was your father's. And he, he said to them, he said, My father has laid up treasure in earth, but I have laid up treasure in heaven, according to Psalm 85 and 11. He said, My fathers have laid up treasures which do not bring forth fruit, but I have laid up treasures which bring forth fruit, according to Isaiah Three and ten. He said, My father's gathered in a place where the hand uh, or thieves break through and steal, but I have gathered in a place where the hand of man does not rule, according to Psalm 97 and 2. He said, My father's gathered mammon or money, but I have gathered souls, according to Proverbs 11 and 30. My father's gathered for others, but I have gathered for myself, according to Deuteronomy 24 and 13. He said, My father's gathered. In this world, I have gathered for the world to come. This guy was a prince, and he got it. He had everything that he could ever want, but he gave it away in order, he said, to store up or to lay up treasures in heaven. So the question for today is, where is your treasures? As Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 21, he said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If our treasures are here on earth, if all we care about is the earthly thing, then that's where our hearts will be, and that's where our focus will be, and our love and our priorities. But if our treasures are in heaven, then that's where our hearts will be, that's where our focus will be, that's where our love will be, our priorities will be, and our decisions will be based on that. So the question again is, where is your treasure? If you're storing treasures up in heaven why don't we take some time to do that now why don't we take some time and exercise our faith let's all stand we're gonna why don't we do that if we if we're storing treasures in heaven why don't we do that we, every time we step in faith we're storing up treasure every time we pray for someone every time we bring a need to him. Every time we you know, we step out of faith, we move in faith, we're storing up treasures, we're showing Jesus where our priorities are. So why don't we, as my wife sings, why don't we do that tonight? If you've got a need, why don't we bring that to, to God? And if you know, you know someone else that has a need, why don't you pray with them and bring that need? Why don't you encourage somebody as we, as we take some time and pray? Let's store up some treasure in heaven uh, tonight. Jesus' name.